You want Chinese, they want pizza, and someone is craving Froyo. There's something for everyone on DoorDash. DoorDash is the app that brings you food you're craving right now, right to your door. Ordering is easy. All you have to do is open the DoorDash app, choose what you want to eat, and your food will be left safely outside your door with the new contactless delivery drop-off setting. With over 300,000 partners in the U.S., Puerto Rico, Canada, and Australia, you can support your local go-tos or choose from your favorite national restaurants like Chipotle, Wendy's, and the Cheesecake Factory. Many of your favorite local restaurants are still open for delivery. All you have to do is open the DoorDash app, select your favorite local restaurant, and your food will be left right at your door. DoorDash deliveries are now contactless to keep the communities they operate in safe. Right now, our listeners can get $5 off and zero delivery fees on their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter code BUFFALO. That's $5 off your first order and zero delivery fees when you download the DoorDash app in the App Store and enter code BUFFALO. Don't forget, that's code BUFFALO for $5 off your first order with DoorDash. All right, what's up, everybody? Welcome into the week two edition of the Buffalo Beat. My name is Joe Biscaglia. With me, my co-host, Matthew Fairburn. Thank you for listening to us here on the Athletic Podcast Network or any one of the free avenues. We appreciate your support and you listening to us uh, throughout the season. And, of course, the Bills are going on with their season. Already 1-0 after a uh, pretty much a dismantling of the Jets last week and, and a score that probably should have been bigger. But now they have a uh, a matchup with another AFC East opponent in the Miami Dolphins, who lost last week to New England. But they have some hashtag adversity to get over, um, especially on the defensive side of the ball. For the first time since the 2017 season, the Bills will have to go into a single game without having the option to play either Tremaine Edmonds or Matt Milano, their two primary linebackers. Milano will be out with a hamstring injury, Edmonds out with a shoulder injury, and this could uh, be pretty troublesome for the Bills as they go forward. And we'll we'll get into that, the nuances of it, how it affects this matchup, how it could affect long-term, uh, and, and getting to more of the matchup as we go along. But Matthew Fairburn, with Edmonds and Milano down, I think uh, we're we're about to see the the Bills have to deal with something that they they just really didn't have to deal with at all, and that's that's like injuries actually taking a toll on their defense. Yeah, their their defense has been pretty healthy over the last couple of seasons. They haven't had to miss too many games. Um, Milano is really the only guy that that has missed time uh, occasionally with hamstring injuries. They lost Harrison Phillips. Uh, you know, they had bumps and bruises along the way. But the the important core players, Micah Hyde, Jordan Poyer, Tredavious White, Tremaine Edmonds, um, even Milano to an extent, have been, you know, remarkably healthy uh, mm-hmm. over the last few years. And Tremaine Edmonds and Matt Milano are a big part of how they play defense in general. Um, you know, when people ask who's next man up or how do you – how do you replace, you know, Matt Milano and Tremaine Edmonds? The, the answer is probably that you play defense differently because Matt Milano, you know, had the ability to, 
you know, play one-on-one coverage against a tight end or a running back if they needed him to. Tremaine Edmonds covers so much ground that he gives you some flexibility in your coverage and what you're able to do. Without those two guys, you have different types of linebackers. I mean, Matt Milano and Tremaine Edmonds were, I believe, the only tandem of linebackers that finished in the top 10 of football outsiders' coverage success uh, percentage in, um, you know, the metric that they used to measure you know, the, the best coverage linebackers. And uh, that makes them, you know, that's a humongous part of how they play pass defense and, and how they're able to shut teams down. And against a team like the Dolphins, uh, you know, Ryan Fitzpatrick will will air it out when it calls for it. He'll put the ball up in one-on-one coverage against the cornerback, but he's also going to work the underneath quick passing game. Uh, it's why, it's how, you know, he moved the ball against this team last year and I would mm-hmm. expect that to be even more the game plan when uh, this team is missing its two best coverage linebackers. Yeah, you brought up the the tight end point and how they cover so well. I mean, say what you will about Tremaine Edmonds and his ability to get off blocks, which has been in uh, it's been a uh, an ongoing learning ordeal for Edmonds. He's gotten a little bit better at it, but still. You know, he's not exactly where you would like him to be for a guy as big as he is. But as a player in coverage, Edmonds is outstanding. And I mean, you have a six foot five, 250 plus pound dude out there in the middle and with super long arms playing in his own defense. So that likely takes away all of those, all of those potential passes where quarterbacks would want to you know, loft it over the linebacking coverage on the second level and into that nice little soft spot in the zone right behind them if if um, the Bills are in a cover two. I mean, that's that's com- almost completely taken away when, by Edmonds. And so when you take him, his athleticism, and, uh, and his coverage prowess out, then you're left with Tyrell Dodson in the middle, who is much smaller. I think he's about six feet tall, maybe six one. I mean, doesn't have the athleticism or the length that that Edmonds does. And it and for this matchup specifically, and for future matchups, as as long as both these guys are out because they are big time contributors in covering the tight end. I think those those uh, great statistics against tight ends have a very real chance of uh, of going of going the opposite direction. You know, last week the Bills, when Milano in uh, when Milano and Edmonds were were both on the field, um, Herndon had one catch to his name. When both of them were off the field, in the twenty plays that both were off the field, Herndon wound up with five catches for I believe thirty-two yards, and not like super. Uh, great, but when the Jets were struggling to move the ball all day, finding some success to Herndon got him going a little bit. And I bring this up because this coming week, Jasicki, uh, the tight end, the super athletic tight end that they have in Miami, they lined him up out wide. I think like thirty plus snaps in the slot. So uh, they they really like him. And I and I wonder if Miami's going to try to focus on him in the game plan to exploit this sudden weakness for the Bills. Yeah, I would think so. And they've got running backs who can make plays out of the backfield as well. Matt Breida, Jordan Howard to some extent, Miles Gaskin got a lot of run for them last week. So 
they have the the pieces to take advantage of that and it's not like the bills can you know bring jordan poyer or micah hide up on every play because the dolphins do have preston williams and Devonte parker provided parker can get on the field uh he's been a little bit banged up with a hamstring but if those guys are out there that's you know two wide receivers that you have to respect uh they're vertical threats they can get down the field and Ryan Fitzpatrick is not afraid to throw the ball up, you know, into coverage, um, you know, if, if the matchup presents itself. So, you know, they've definitely got the pieces to, to exploit this, you know, sudden, um, you know, deficiency in the Bills' defense. A.J. Klein, I think, makes this loss, uh, you know, hurt a little bit less. Uh, he's, yeah. not the, he's not the coverage player that those guys are, but – he knows the defense really well. You're not gonna. You shouldn't have the the lapses in communication or the lapses, you know, missed assignments that could cause huge runs. At least from him. Now, you know, maybe you have to play an extra safety. Um, you know, when you go to, um, you know, a nickel package, or, or maybe you, you know, find different ways to make it work. Uh, but the number one thing is that you can't. You can't expect the Bills to be able to play defense the way that they normally do because they mm-hmm. don't have the two guys that make it work the way that it does, and uh, it'll certainly, you know, it'll it'll be the type of thing that that shows just how valuable those two guys are, uh, and you know how much different a defense looks when you don't have two of the best athletes at the position, um, you know, in the league right now. So, I think it's a challenge more for Leslie Frazier and Sean McDermott than it is AJ Klein and Tyrell Dodson in some ways you you have to figure mm-hmm. out a way to it's not like they're going up against you know the best quarterback in the league Ryan Fitzpatrick is smart he'll find a way to take advantage but he's uh, not necessarily you know Patrick Mahomes uh, who they play uh, in a few weeks so it's not the worst timing for this but um, you know you certainly I know nobody around here sleeps on on Fitzpatrick and what he can do. He's also, though, in the second year of his Fitzpatrick cycle, where his first year he goes just lights the world on fire, gets the team to believe in him, and then the second year it all kind of goes goes down by the wayside. And we saw in, in the first week he made some pretty bad errors against New England, throwing three picks, and he put it on himself and. You know, he's back in a Chan Gailey offense, but he also has, um, you know, one of the top picks in this year's draft right behind him. And you would have to think it's only a matter of time before Tua sees the light of day down in Miami. But the Bills are seeing Fitzpatrick for the time being, which is good for them in trying to get a victory early on in the season. I think the one way that the Bills could look to... um, you know, switch things up a little bit. I wonder if it's more of taking Jordan Poyer away of away from the way that they usually use him and utilize him more on on tight ends and it, down low in zone coverage and allowing Tyrell Dodson to be more of a more of a get down the field blitzing sort of option um, because he showed some sort of proficiency in that uh, in that aspect of his game last week. So I, they, they have some options here. You're right about Klein. I mean, it's very good that they have him both from a run support perspective and in knowing the defense. He's going to get beat in coverage. He's just not as athletic as Matt Milano, and that's not 
necessarily a uh, a negative thing about him because Milano is really good in that respect, but he is going to seed yardage and not be as quick a reactor to pass plays as Milano was and being able to come away with uh, pass breakups and force incompletions, forcing interceptions like he did on that terribly thrown ball by Sam Darnold. I mean, that, that you're going to lose that with, with Matt Milano. It, it's going to be subtle differences, but um, they're go- they have the potential to add up. The Bills just have to, like you said, have a game plan going to this. It's, it's not about the players that they have on the field. It's about the scheme that they cook up with the players that they have on the field. And um, it, it's a great opponent to have to do it against, to be perfectly frank. You know, they have some good players in Parker, in Preston Williams, in uh, in Mike Jasicki, who had kind of a down week last week. But their running game is not great. Their offensive line is certainly not great. One of uh, kind of a lot of moving parts, young players, just hasn't really gelled together, and they really struggled last week. And, and so that makes them a little bit one-dimensional. And especially with how well the Bills' pass rush played last week, you would have to think the the Dolphins are still trying to get the ball out of their hands quickly so to to mitigate the chances of that, which will inevitably help the linebackers on the field. Yeah, there's not really, you know, I recognize the it's not ideal, right, to lose Tremaine Edmonds and Matt Milano. You don't want to be without two of your best players on defense, but you also can't, you know, you I mean, look, they're good players. They're a big part of what the Bills do on defense. But if you can't go down to Miami down two players and beat this team, I mean, then what is what's the hype about, right? Like go down there, you're going up against Ryan Fitzpatrick and a kind of patchwork offensive line. This is year four in this defense. They have when you're in a defense that long, uh, you know, and you you've built the scheme to the the point that they have where it's one of the most consistent week to week, um, you know, and year to year uh, performance wise in the NFL, that gives you the flexibility to move Jordan Poyer into the box more, or, you know, find creative ways to use your safeties or, or throw a, a Saran Neal in at nickel cornerback to give yourself a little bit of a different coverage look, um, you know, at, at that position when, because you're short Milano. They have both the pieces, the scheme, the continuity, all the things that you want on the defensive side of the ball to sustain a loss. I think sustaining a loss and, and overcoming adversity is part of what good teams do. And mm-hmm. it's not something we've seen them have to get tested with often because they haven't dealt with that many injuries, um, You know, at least to this extent in terms of how good the players are. So... I don't know. It's a, it's an interesting test, right? To see how they adapt, to see how, you know, they've touted, been touted as one of the deepest rosters in football on both sides of the ball. And, you know, now that's getting tested. They had a lot of injuries at the same spot. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, they're, they're big losses, but they're guys that, um, particularly if it's for one week, if you're talking about trying to beat the Rams, uh, you know, with all the, the motion they use and, and all the, the things that they can do in the passing game, uh, yeah, that's that's a little bit different. You know, that's a different challenge. Beating Ryan Fitzpatrick um, and and the Miami Dolphins, I think, is um, you know a little bit 
it should be manageable despite the losses. And that's why you go out and get some depth. Uh, you know, they spent a lot of money on AJ Klein and Tyler Matikevich. So, um, you know, and they've spent some time developing Tyrell Dotson. So they get a chance to see what those guys are made of and see what, what this defense looks like. Um, and who the, the bigger, you know, question is probably what happens if they do have to miss another week. Uh, Tremaine Edmonds got a couple limited practices in, so he's probably in pretty good shape. But Matt Milano didn't practice at all this week. He's got a history of hamstring injuries. Uh, this is probably more precautionary than anything else, but, um, you know, you want to take it slow with a hamstring injury, uh, more so than a shoulder, I think, right? You don't, um, if Tremaine Edmonds has to play through a shoulder that's less than 100%, that's a little less risky than playing mm-hmm. through uh, a hamstring injury that's less than 100%. Um, so, you know, I think that'll be the big question going forward. But as a one-week issue, uh, I don't see it as as something that the Bills should be panicking about. And I don't sense that they are. Yeah, yeah, me neither. I mean, they, they have better depth there this year than they did last year, which which is a plus for them. Uh, and quickly on the uh, on the injuries – McDermott also did not rule out the notion of injured reserve for either of them. So that, that'll that be something that we keep an eye on. You know, Josh Norman, they placed him on injured reserve on Saturday before Sunday's game. You know, you have to wonder if maybe they're they're not exactly uh, – uh, it's not exactly looking good for Milano. And hamstrings are typically three-week injuries anyway, uh, at least. You would have to think that, uh, that they – they think about doing that on Saturday if they're going to, if it's if it's that significant a uh, an, an injury. So we'll we'll just have to see what happens with those linebackers uh, in the coming weeks or the coming week, we should say, leading up to a more established opponent in the LA Rams as opposed to the uh, the Miami Dolphins. All right, we'll get to Josh Allen and the offense in just a minute, but first a message from our sponsors. Help support your local businesses, whether they're your corner stores, coffee spots, or favorite shops. Local businesses have always been on your team, supporting you and your community. They remember your order and call you by name, always giving back, making a difference, and going that extra mile. But right now, more than ever, local businesses need our support. So let's be there for them. The next time you go shopping, help your team score and choose to shop at local businesses. And while you're there, Look for the contactless symbol and tap to pay with a contactless visa to help support your community because where and how you shop matters. Visa, everywhere you want to be, official partner of the NFL. All right, now that we're in the second week of the football season, those that have been on the fence about cutting the cord, FuboTV.com giving you pretty good reasons to do so. Now, if if you're worried about missing live sports, that's where FuboTV.com really comes into play. And there's a lot of good reasons to get in on the door. But first of all, right now, they're offering 15% off the first month. And what comes with FuboTV.com? Well, you can get the family plan where three people can watch at once. Or you can do the standard base plan, which is two screens at once. We, they know it's a tough time for a lot of people. But if you want to save money, cut the cord. $50 a month is more affordable than other cable providers. With it, you get 30 hours of DVR, local broadcasts, NBC Sports, which are included on the national feed, so you get your Sunday night showdowns. So with the NFL season here, FUBO.TV will not disappoint. Stay updated on your favorite teams as well as your local broadcast news. So go to FUBOTV.com slash athletic today and get 15% off your first month. You will not regret it. That's FUBOTV.com slash athletic. Start your first month today. 
All right, let's get to Josh Allen because he had a really good first half of last week. And then the second half kind of slipped back into some old tendencies that, uh, you know, I'm sure the, the Bills will probably try to get him to get away from as, as they move forward against a more difficult opponent in the Miami Dolphins. But uh, after taking some time to go back and watch, I know you 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 posted your um, your rewatch, Matthew, on, on TheAthletic.com. What did you see from Josh? And uh, I'm curious as to how you think it can translate moving forward, specifically in the, the offense that Brian Dable kind of put together last week. Yeah, I feel like Brian Dable's game plan and the the execution of it in the first half and you know on the whole when you look at you know just the whole game and the and the end numbers was probably the most encouraging part about the Bills performance on Sunday. He ran a lot of three wide receiver and four wide receiver sets more four wide receiver sets than any team in the league. He was up near the top of the league in pre-snap motion. He was, Josh Allen had more attempts out of play action than any quarterback in the league. And all of these things are a sign that Brian Dable not only is more forward thinking um, than maybe he's shown in the past uh, because he has more pieces to at his disposal to use some of these things, but also that he understands what Josh Allen does well. He understands what the offense does well, and he's willing to, uh, you know, adapt his game plans week to week to highlight those things. Last year, Josh Allen's completion percentage went up eight points. His yards per attempt went up 3.6 yards per attempt uh, when he was using play action. His first down percentage on non-play action passes, 49%. First down percentage on play action passes, 70.5%. Uh, he threw eight touchdowns and two interceptions on play action, 12 touchdowns, seven interceptions on non-play action. His quarterback rating was 111.7 when using play action last year. It was 78.6 when not using play action. So uh, it's a pretty... You know, if you look at the numbers, not just for Josh Allen, but for pretty much every quarterback in the league, almost every offense is better when they use play action. It's it's obviously not a new concept. Play action is not new, but the way and the the amount it's being used in the NFL has certainly gone up. And there's there was a study by Ben Baldwin who does some work at the Athletic, and at the time he was doing stuff for football outsiders uh, in which he, you know, studied whether you need a good run game. That's a generally held thought. Like, do you, you need to be able to run the football to have a good play action game? And it's not really true. The numbers don't back it up. And it makes sense. If I'm a linebacker, I don't really care if Devin Singletary has been playing well. If Josh Allen turns around and acts like he's going to hand the ball to him, I have to take that seriously. And in fact, being able to use play action can help your running game. The more you use play action, the more the linebacker is going to hesitate looking at a guy like Singletary when you turn around and either fake to hand it off or don't. Um, a lot of it's happening out of shotgun. They were in shotgun, I think, um, for a very high percentage of their snaps on Sunday. I don't have the number in front of me, but it was most of them. I think it was up over 80%. And so it's 
just the smart thing to do is to you know use more play action and it doesn't have to be every week but the fact that it's now a tool in the toolbox something that they're using more often i think is an encouraging sign about the type of play caller and the type of offensive coordinator that brian dable is trying to become and in a year that is obviously very important for both he and josh allen uh, to be able to use that element of the game um, it, it does you know, cause some some issues uh, for defenses. The quarterbacks, I mean, I, I, I look at it, you know, this way. You look at, these were the quarterbacks that used play action most often last year. Jared Goff, Lamar Jackson, Kirk Cousins, Carson Wentz, Jimmy Garoppolo, Jacoby Brissett, Ryan Tannehill, Patrick Mahomes, Russell Wilson, and Matthew Stafford. Not necessarily, um, you know, you wouldn't take all 10 of those guys and say they're the 10 best quarterbacks in the league. But I would say each of those offenses has in common that they are considered cutting edge. They are pushing the envelope. Uh, you know, the Rams with Sean McVay, the Ravens with Greg Roman, uh, the Vikings um, certainly have, you know, tried some different things. Um, Doug Peterson, Kyle Shanahan, Frank Reich. Uh, the Titans have been an interesting offense, uh, certainly using the running game more than other teams, but um, getting more out of Ryan Tannehill than than a lot of teams have. The Chiefs, you know, goes without saying. And then you got Russell Wilson and Matthew Stafford, uh, two guys that have been doing it for a long time. Point being, last year the Bills were 22nd in the league in how frequently they used play action. And you, I, you know, mentioned the numbers. It is a humongous gap between how good Josh Allen is uh, out of play action and, and not using play action. So it's a, a an encouraging sign that they did that, that they used quick passes. Um, Obviously, the Jets didn't have very good cornerbacks, so why wouldn't you, you know, attack the perimeter with the wide receivers? That probably won't be the case to the same level against the Dolphins, who have two, you know, good cover corners. But it's something they can do. Uh, they can now do four wide receiver sets more often than they could because they have four wide receivers that are worth putting on the field, uh, and they've found ways to make their quarterback comfortable and. At this stage in Josh Allen's development, it's as much about figuring out who he is as it is about figuring out whether he's good. Um, the arguments over whether he's good or whether he gets enough respect or whether that 300-yard game means he's you know, the next coming of Jim Kelly are all useless. What matters is whether Brian Dable is able to figure out a way to build an effective offense with Josh Allen at quarterback. And the only way he's going to do that is if he identifies what makes Josh Allen comfortable, what he does well, what he has around him that they can use on a week-to-week -week basis and figure it out. That's why they're running him more often on designed runs than they have in the past. He does it well. It's how they're going to win games. And this is a good football team that should compete not just to win the division, but to win playoff games and make a legitimate run. And you can't hide behind, you know, oh, we don't want this guy to get hurt or this or that. Now, should they be running him up 21 nothing? No, um, because you're not going to do a lot of that stuff with Matt Barkley. You're going to lose that part of your offense if you're using it to run clock uh, up 21 nothing. But if you're taking parts of what Josh Allen does well, look, he was, I think, the 12th best quarterback in the league by QBR last week, which sounds about right. I didn't watch every quarterback in the league, but a 300-yard, two-touchdown performance is going to land you in that range. And you saw what the Bills can do if Josh Allen just plays like that. If that's if his ceiling is somewhere in the 8 to 12 range and you have an offensive coordinator like Brian Dable who's able to 
use some of those strengths and, and find ways to make it work. You can be like the Vikings last year, right? Like Kirk Cousins isn't, you know, generally considered one of the top three to five quarterbacks in the league, but the Vikings can win games with him. Uh, Carson Wentz probably isn't one of the three to five best quarterbacks in the league, but when you have the right game plan and the right pieces around him working well, you can win games. There's a lot more teams winning games like that in the NFL than there are teams winning games just because they have an amazing quarterback. There's only a handful of those guys in the league right now. Patrick Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, Russell Wilson, um, you know, not too many others. Uh, Deshaun Watson probably falls into that tier uh, when he's playing well, but the other teams find ways to build their offense and, and formulate game plans around the quarterback that they have. And I think Brian Dable showed signs of doing that. Easier to do against the Jets than other teams, but it was still an encouraging start for the Bills offensive coordinator. Yeah, no doubt. And I, I think it was certainly helped, like you pointed out, by the fact that the Jets starters and depth at cornerback are pretty putrid if, if you look at it in compared in comparison to the rest of the league. And I think uh, the reason why we saw so much of the four wide receiver looks in comparison to, you know, every other game that Dable has called for for the Bills it has a lot to do with that opponent, A, and B, because like you pointed out, they do actually do have the receivers to do it. Now, I do think it's partially constructing an offense around Josh Allen, which he's he has absolutely done. You know, they do a lot of zone read. They've they mixed in some some options into the game plan. They're doing a lot of screens. They're highlighting intermediate passes a lot more and and taking advantage of their two or there are three receivers that can gain separation on those intermediate routes. And so all of those things are pluses. I do wonder if things are going to change, not to a grand degree, because last year we saw Dable, uh, as soon as he got into that flow of the 11 personnel and they started to really get some offensive momentum going, they they went with that personnel, I think, for like a good three or four game stretch without fail. It was Devin Singletary, Cole Beasley, Isaiah McKenzie, John Brown, and Dawson Knox. And they, they filtered in some guys here and there, but that was basically the core five. Um, I don't know that he's going to do, do the type of thing uh, as he did against the Jets, against the Dolphins, because it's a completely different team. Um, the Dolphins... For instance, like you pointed out, the two great cornerbacks in Xavier Howard and Byron Jones, they have to be accounted for. Uh, they also drafted a, a guy um, in the first round, and his name is Noah Igbegene. I, I knew I was going to butcher it, but we're just going with it anyway. Um, also, Jamal Perry is another one that they use at nickel corner. They also primarily use man-to-man -man coverage as opposed to the Jets who are basically in cover two the whole game. So you have to wonder how that shapes things. The Miami defensive line, not as stout as the Jets defensive line. So maybe the, the running game and maybe this is a Lee Smith, Zach Moss between the tackles sort of sort of game plan. So I was curious and, and because of Dable's roots uh, from New England and we all know how much they switch up their game plan, how much they highlight the skill set of... Uh, of their players, New England is actually a really good example of how the Bills might go about attacking Miami as well, because Cam Newton and Josh Allen, 
you know, they're they're more similar than than different as compared to Josh Allen to a lot of quarterbacks out there. And I was I I went back and I broke down exactly what formations they use the most uh, against the Dolphins. And so uh, the most prevalent formation that they used was 11 personnel, one running back, one tight end, three wide receivers. But they used that only 30 out of their 62 plays, although they gained 6.17 yards per play, which is you know kind of ridiculous when you think the Dolphins just couldn't stop uh, the Patriots at all in that game. Their second most prevalent formation was one running back, uh, either a fullback or a tight end, a tight end or a six offensive lineman, and two wide receivers. They ran that 23 different times, gained 110 total yards for a yards per play of 4.78. But one of those plays, Julian Edelman dropped a pretty easy 20-yard pass over the middle. Had he caught that, that shifts their yards per play from the uh, the more typical um, a two tight end between the tackles sort of formation play action formation from a from a 4.7 to a 5.65 yards per play so they they they're going to have some options and that's why I think we might see a little bit more of a balanced attack and there was a few plays in those um, the those two tight end formations that that I was thinking of primarily when JJ Taylor was rushing the ball and just going straight up the gut against the Dolphins defense. That is pretty reminiscent of the type of things we see from Zach Moss. And I wonder if they might highlight that a little bit more in this game as we go forward. But you have to continue to allow Josh Allen to show his progress, to show uh, his abilities. And I do think we're going to see a lot of zone read uh, in this game to attack the uh, defensive ends, especially Shaq Lawson, because he guessed wrong like three or four times against the Patriots, and we'll we'll have to see exactly what uh, what Dable cooks up. But I don't think there will be as much of a four wide receiver presence against the Dolphins. It just it just doesn't seem like um, the Dolphins' defensive game plan and their personnel meshes with that sort of logic. But I could be wrong. Well, that's part of what makes you know a Brian Dable offense a little bit more you know, again, kind of forward thinking and, you know, he doesn't need to do the same thing every week. And they didn't do that last year. You know, they were kind of all over the map sometimes on how they used, um, you know, shotgun or how they used play action or how they used different things. Um, They switched, you know, mostly to that 11 personnel toward the end of the season. But I think what's different about the offense in 2020, and it's not that Brian Dable had some sort of Um, you know, fever dream during his quarantine and, you know, woke up a new man. Uh, He has different (laughs) players at at his disposal. He now has Stefan Diggs and Gabriel Davis that give them a much more legitimate look uh, at, you know, four wide receiver sets than they had before. He has Zach Moss instead of Frank Gore, uh, which gives them flexibility in the running game. And, you know, they didn't do much to address the tight end position, but, you know, Dawson Knox in year two, Tyler Croft being healthy, they held on to Lee Smith for a reason. Part of it is what he does in the locker room and, and as a guy there. But the other part is there are games that they like to use him, and he is useful. I know that he gets penalties occasionally. I know he doesn't really catch the ball, but he's a mm-hmm. useful body at tight end when you're 
in a game like they were last year against the Steelers where you need to load up uh, and try to run the ball and you know you're not going to be able to spread it out uh, on a, a good secondary, then you know you have to take a different approach. They now have more pieces to do it, and I would expect that that would be the case. Like I, I don't think they'll be throwing the ball 46 times. You know, maybe um, if things mm-hmm. get a little bit strange, um, they certainly feel like a team that has the belief in their passing game to do it when they need to. But let's not think that it will be only uh, a passing offense. I think the the struggles of the running backs last week, you know, it was noteworthy, but that's a really good run defense. So I, I still think this running game is going to be productive in certain games. I think Josh Allen will continue to be a part of that, probably will this week. You know, I can go back and forth on how much they'll use it. I could see it both ways. You know, it seems like the obvious thing to do, which maybe means they wouldn't do it. Um, and maybe after a week of seeing Cam Newton, Josh Allen doesn't look so scary to the Dolphins in terms of mm-hmm. in, in that aspect of his game. Like maybe they're sharper on that, having faced Cam Newton and gone through that. Nobody had a preseason, right? Nobody had uh, time to adjust to these sorts of things. After going through that for a week and presumably drilling it again all week, they might be more on alert for that. So maybe there's there's a way to combat that if you're Brian Dable. All part of the chess match, but he's got more chess pieces than he's ever had. Yeah, I will say just just quickly that uh, Cam Newton is a lot better and a lot more deceptive on zone reads than Josh Allen is. Cam is very good at getting the the defender that's left alone. Um, to guess incorrectly so he's a better uh, athlete he's more exper- yeah he's a more experienced runner he's he's definitely a a better a more skilled runner he's got more nuance as a runner than I think just look at the way I think he's better at protecting the ball um, I think he's he's just been doing it would that be hard not to game. be <laughs> um, yeah that's true he, I mean Josh Allen's Worse than just about any quarterback in the league at holding on to the football. Uh, Carson Wentz is Dan- the only one that's worse. Daniel Jones has given him a run for his money as well. Yeah, they're, those three are sort of in a, a tier yeah. of their own um, when it comes to the fumbles. And I I think that's what makes this a, a weird you know, matchup is I just don't know were the Dolphins really bad at that or is Cam Newton really good at it, um, you know, and – did they use it way more than the Dolphins expected? And how much can, um, you know, that be a, lear- a learning tool for Brian Flores and his group uh, going up against Josh Allen? Certainly you don't want to, I don't know that you want to lean on it too much, um, but mm-hmm. if it's working, it's working. I, I think more so you're you're thinking about how to get Devin Singletary and Zach Moss involved because you can, you can probably, you know, do some damage there. And, and then we, we get to see you know, how much this improved wide receiver group can help you against, you know, two top end cornerbacks. You know, it's Mm -hmm. easy to go up against uh, the slappies that the Jets were rolling out in the secondary. But, you know, what do you do when uh, there's legitimately good players back there? They brought these guys in to beat man coverage. They brought Stephon Diggs in to handle these matchups, get open and provide a, a safety valve for Josh Allen. So, We'll see if he can do it, and particularly, you know, Stephon Diggs was huge on third down. That's who they were looking for, and, you know, we'll see if that's the case again on Sunday. 
Yeah, certainly. All right, let's uh, let's get to the prediction portion of the program. But first, a word from our sponsor. This is the Athletic Shield Kapadia here to tell you about Liquid IV. Nobody likes to feel dehydrated. Maybe you get a little bit of a headache, dry mouth. You just don't feel like yourself. But believe it or not, dehydration still occurs daily in three out of four people. With Liquid IV, you have the fastest, most efficient way to stay hydrated. Each serving helps you get as much hydration as two to three bottles of water. Maybe you use it after a really intense workout. Maybe you went out socially distanced with friends and had a couple extra beers the night before. That's where Liquid IV comes in. It is healthier than those sugary sports drinks, no artificial flavors or preservatives, and less sugar than an apple. Plus, it contains five essential vitamins, more vitamin C than an orange, and as much potassium as a banana. And Liquid IV is on a mission to change the world. Liquid IV is donating 3.7 million servings in response to COVID-19. Products are being donated to hospitals, first responders, food banks, veterans, and active military. Liquid IV is available nationwide at Costco and Target, or you can get 25% off when you go to liquidiv.com and use code ATHLETIC at checkout. That's 25% off anything you order when you use promo code ATHLETIC at liquidiv.com. Get better hydration today at liquidiv.com, promo code ATHLETIC. All right, to the predictions we go, because uh, last week we were both correct in the Bills beating the Jets. I believe we both said they would cover the spread. What I don't even know. What's the spread this week between these two teams? I think it's five and a half. Last day. Five and a half? Okay. Um, all right, Matthew Fairburn, I'll, I'll let you lead it off. Who do you have to win, and uh, what happens from a spread perspective when the Bills go down to take on the Dolphins? I think the Bills win, and I think they cover the spread. Um, earlier this morning, when I thought Tremaine Edmonds was going to play, I said on the radio – um, with friend of the show Jimmy Jam um, on CJ Country that the Bills would win by 10 with Tremaine mm-hmm. Edmonds out. I'm going to say they win by 7 instead. It's mm-hmm. going to be a whole field goal difference. I was already assuming that Matt Milano wouldn't play. thought Tremaine yeah. Edmonds had a shot. Um, I, I think it, there's not really much of an excuse to not go down to Miami and, and win this game. Uh, and win it handily. Uh, this is, you know, they're a, a class above the Dolphins as a team uh, from a talent standpoint at just about every position on the football field. So um, are there matchups the Dolphins could exploit? Will they hang around longer than people like? Maybe. I mean, that's the NFL. Uh, every week, the Jets hung around longer than people thought uh, last week. It just it happens often. Um, and mm-hmm. it happens even more when Ryan Fitzpatrick's in at quarterback. Uh, it seems uh, to be the case. He was the only quarterback who threw for 300 on the Bills last year, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, Tredavious White (laughs) said that this week. I did not um, fact-check him yet on it, but um, I believe him. Tredavious White pays attention to that sort of thing. So uh, that tells you all you need to know about Fitz, and it tells you that this game will probably get a little uncomfortable at times. But in the end, you know, the Bills have had the Dolphins' number since Sean McDermott took over. Josh Allen has had some of his best games against the Dolphins. He's actually been, um, you know, really – he's been better against the Dolphins than any other team. Uh, they're different now. They, they've got better players in the secondary. But I still think uh, this is a spot where if if the Bills lose, the, the conversation about their season is a much different one um, with mm-hmm. the tough schedule they have coming up. They have to – 
and they've done this. They did it last year where they took advantage early in the season and got off to the, the start that they needed to, to get the ball rolling, and I would expect them to do the same this week. Yeah, I, I'm with you. I'm picking the uh, the Bills to come away with a victory against the Dolphins this week. I just think their, um, their advantages both – as an offensive line against the Dolphins, kind of weaker defensive line, and especially as a, a run defense, I think there's a real advantage there for the Bills. And I think um, their defensive line, particularly in the middle, um, can really do some damage against the, the Dolphins' pass blockers. Um, the interior of the Dolphins' offensive line between Eric Flowers, Ted Karras, and uh, and I, I even forget the the right guard's name. He's number sixty six. I'd have to go back and look at it. But um, they did not really look the part. And I also thought that Ed Oliver and Quentin Jefferson were fantastic against the Jets. And that's a better Jets offensive line than the Dolphins. So I would anticipate that to be a major advantage for them. So because of that reason, uh, I've got the Bills winning. And I think this one is probably going to be another instance of the score ending up being closer than what the game indicated. Um, If there's one thing I know about Ryan Fitzpatrick is that he racks it up in garbage time. And uh, when he is able to get going and if the bills are up by like a couple of scores or something like that, uh, he makes it a little bit uncomfortably close. So, I'm taking the Bills to win, but the Dolphins to beat the spread. I, I had the Bills winning 24-19 to 19 just for Fitz to take on uh, Vegas, maybe for the last time that he takes on the Bills in his career if uh, Tua takes over at some point. But yes, it should be a victory regardless of Tremaine Edmonds and uh, Matt Milano not being able to give it a go on Sunday. All right, that'll do it for us. Um, if you haven't yet... Do yourself a favor, go to theathletic.com slash the Buffalo Beat and go get in on a $1 a month limited time offer to become a subscriber at The Athletic. Quite honestly, the the best offer that I've seen since since I've started working there. And it's uh it's a great opportunity to jump in, especially at the the early stage of the season, get you all the way through. Uh, this year, the draft, next year, you can read up all on on the Sabres and their most recent trade for Eric Stahl. Um, we've got we've enhanced our golf coverage. Uh, the Premier League just kicked back in into gear. Hockey's still going on, of course. Basketball playoffs still going on, and they're going to be getting into draft mode pretty soon. Um, once once their playoffs are done, there are just so many different reasons to subscribe to the Athletic. So it's it's one dollar a month. Right now, limited time offer, theathletic.com slash the Buffalo Beat. All right, Matthew Fairburn, fond words of farewell. What do you got for me this week? Ryan Fitzpatrick has, for his career, 33,000 passing yards. <laughs> That's all wow. I got. He's going he's gonna to have even more than that at this time or, you know, 48 hours. 51 hours from now, he will have even more than 33,000 passing yards. That is a lot of passing yards. Started for, I believe, eight different teams, that guy. Eight One of a kind. He started 140 games. Sunday will be 141. 
and somehow he had, has not lasted longer than two years anywhere but Buffalo, where he mm-hmm. lasted four years. It's the Ryan Fitzpatrick timeline. He I'm telling you, is, it's, it's real. It is real. He is something else. I'm not sure. He is, he is like basically what Blaine Gabbert is striving to be. Uh, he's uh, like Blaine Gabbert if Blaine Gabbert were cool. <laughs> and had a big beard. Yeah, if Blaine Gabbert were, he he wishes he were that much of a man. Wow, wow, you went there. We just named a, an award after the guy, and now and now you're hitting him with that. Well, he's got that's, to persevere. That's true. That's that's absolutely true. And soak it in, Bills fans. I know he's uh, I know he's pretty well thought of in Buffalo and by Bills fans from what he did back in 2011. This could be the last time you see Ryan Fitzpatrick starting against the Bills, but you never quite know with Fitzpatrick. Yeah, he's he's always got that charm to him. All right, that'll do it for us. Thank you for listening to The Buffalo Beat. We will next talk to you after the game on Sunday when the Bills take on the Dolphins, and uh, it'll be a little bit different for us. We won't actually be there. We'll be watching the game from home, just like you all. So uh, we will talk to you then, and... uh, and, and yes, see if the Bills can go to 2-0. See you then.